You hear that theme song. You already know which wrestling show is superior. Monday Night Raw. AEW Dynamite. Go eat a cheeseburger from McDonald's. Then go eat a cheeseburger from In-N-Out. Tell me what you think. I'll tell you what I think. Because I got your Monday Night Raw and AEW Dynamite highlights. Why, Randy? Why? We still don't got an answer. But do y'all want to see a dead body? Because Randy practically murders Matt Hardy on live TV. Plus, AEW Dynamite does it again. And what's easily the best episode of Dynamite yet. Tons of AEW news in the news section, including one of AEW's biggest draws, officially injured after Dynamite. Does this jeopardize the Revolution pay-per-view? Let's talk about it and so much more on the Highlight Reel. See, I wasn't even going to do a news section, y'all. I wasn't even going to do this this little opening comment, this little monologue. I just sat through five hours of wrestling for the sake of this pod. THR, doing it big in 2020. Man, I love my own podcast. Don't judge me. <laughs> but Raw was literally making me yawn. Call it Monday Night Yawn because your boy was finna fall asleep. But man, when I put on AEW Dynamite, It shot me up like I just drank three cans of Monster Energy drink. I'm finna go run. I'm finna go running. (laughs) In fact, earlier today, one of my Lyft passengers bought me an energy drink. Thanks a lot, sweetheart. Very nice woman. (laughs) But anyway, this episode is going to be absolutely massive. I mean, um, this is a highlight reel special, combining Raw and AEW Dynamite highlights in one. The reviews with extra spice. You know what I mean? This episode might go over an hour long, just just letting you know. I don't know. I'm going to try my best to keep it at a minimum. Hey, man. Listen to this podcast while you drive, man. While you go driving. You know what I'm saying? Real far. Listen to this while you wash your ass, even. Think of my soothing Latino voice as you deep clean between the crevices. <laughs> That's actually really creepy. Don't don't do that. That's the introductory cringe of the day. You like your daily cringe? Tune in to THR. <laughs> Welcome to the highlight reel. It's your boy Lalo, head honcho of the rancho. Let's get into the raw highlight, shall we? Randy Orton opens up the show yet again. Orton replays the footage of his concerto attack on Matt Hardy from the previous Raw. Matt would come out with a neck brace and everything to confront the Viper. Matt continues to ask why. Why, Randy? And what the hell is wrong with you? When Matt is in the ring, Orton walks up on him and says, What you gonna do? You're a sitting duck, Matt. What if I decide to RKO you right now, right here, where you stand? 
Matt is giving the most intense look I've ever seen him give. I mean, look at his eyes. He was bugging out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's funny because um, you can hear a few fans chanting, Randy's gonna kill you. I gotta say, this is a crazy crowd tonight. You know, I, I didn't pay attention to where they said... <clears throat> To where they said Raw was emanating from But man this crowd was wild This crowd was absolutely wild We'll get more on that later But Randy goes on to say I respect you Matt Always have But Edge I love Edge like a brother And Matt once again changes his expression Into one of confusion and bewilderment And you know bug eyed He was bugging out You know what I'm saying I, You know Matt Matt Hardy is A1 with his facial expressions, man. I mean, his facial expressions game is, is A1. Top notch. Amazing work here by the veteran Matt Hardy. Guy's a legend. Guy's a legend. And wherever he goes or if he stays with the WWE, he's, he's going to make some noise, man. Especially if they, if they give the man creative control, which is all he wants. That's all he wants. And we'll get more on him later in the news section. I got some big news regarding the unkillable one matt hardy orton says i'm sorry and proceeds to walk out the ring and up the ramp but as orton stands atop the ramp on the stage he looks in contemplation and then he begins removing his leather vest man you know matt hardy can be visibly seen exiting out the ring and then the camera does indeed cut to him grabbing a steel chair Going back in the ring ready for a fight. This was really good storytelling. This really was. You know, like a, like the wounded warrior. You know, even though he's he's pretty much out for the count. But he's still on some Rocky Balboa. You know, he's still ready to, to you know, throw some hands. And, um, well, in this case, throw some steel chairs around. He knows what's coming. You can hear Hardy shouting, finish me, finish me, over and over. And as Randy Orton marches back to the ring, Hardy swings the chair at Orton while he's atop the apron. Orton swiftly dodges the chair shot, then rings Hardy's neck against the top rope, sending him down. And then Orton hits Matt with a big RKO. The crazy fans chime in once again, chanting one more time, one more time. You know, the, the fans are psychotic, apparently. Orton then sets up Matt for the concerto once again, removing his neck brace. This is a very brutal scene here, I gotta say. You can even hear a little boy in the audience screaming, no, no, no. I, I guess not all, of, not all of the fans in attendance are bloodthirsty savages, <laughs> it would appear. Um, and as Orton lifts up the chair, ready to cave Matt's head in, he seemingly has a change of heart and tosses the steel chair to the mat. As the savage crowd then starts booing. Where was Raw at tonight? <laughs> I gotta know. Anybody chime in. Let me know where Raw was last Monday. Um, what did they say? I want to say. Th were they in Washington? They were somewhere out west I think. I want to say um, somewhere in the southwest. I don't know. I don't know where Raw was at. But these fans were, <laughs> were wild. They were savages man. Randy drags Matt Hardy out of the ring. Sets up the concerto once again. But this time. On the steel steps. Oh shit just got real didn't it. And then he does it. And not only does it look brutal. But it sounds brutal. As the, the chair slams on the steel steps. You know some of the audience members. Who weren't bloodthirsty animals. Had a look of horror on their faces. While the veteran viper looks sadistic. He looked like on some. 
on some The Fiend Bray Wyatt enjoying the pain and suffering. Orton would then do it again. That's right. He, he acts like he's going to leave and then comes back and does it again. You know, this is WWE adding too much seasoning to the pot, man. It's another classic case of WWE over-seasoning it, man. Just just relax. <laughs> we, he got the point across. Orton is a, a no-fucks-given type of beast. You know, that, that has no care in the world for it for anybody's well-being. You know, but he says he's sorry. When we come back from commercial break, they show the replay, then show some crowd shots. And there was one in particular of this little husky boy crying. <laughs> and you could hear the crowd. They start laughing at him. <laughs> they show this little husky dude, you know, this little husky boy on the Titan Tron crying, man. While his mom, I'm, I'm assuming, is consoling him. And everyone in the crowd just starts laughing. This crowd is wild, y'all. <laughs> this was a very brutal segment. And, and one that was well done. But I'm not going to sit here and say I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. Really, I mean, you don't know what this is, right? And, and I'm going to get to this later on. As I alluded to, Matt Hardy... There's heavy rumors floating that one Matt Hardy is set to be the exalted one on AEW Dynamite with the Dark Order. Me and a good friend of mine, we got into it earlier, going back and forth. You know, I, I believe Matt Hardy is going to be the exalted one. He was giving me good points about why Hardy isn't going to be the exalted one. And you know what? He has a point. AEW could be swerving us with all the social media craze of people speculating on Hardy's... um appearance as the exalted one in aew this could be a big swerve job in of itself who knows but this segment right here is wwe basically saying here's your exalted trash mr khan you can have this broken one and indeed he's broken in pieces after tonight that's the message i got from this in plain sight really nonetheless the first match of the night is Rowan, I, I legitimately forgot that Rowan even exists, man. I, I legitimately forgot that Rowan even exists. This was um, a surprisingly competitive match. I mean, I thought Black was just going to straight up smash Rowan, if I'm being honest. And and he should have, really. I mean, quite frankly, he should have just smashed Rowan. It shouldn't have even been, even been competitive. You know, not not only should, should have Aleister Black beat him, which he does, which he does, by the way. I'm just going to say it. But he also should have put an end to the birdcage fiasco. Do the black mass on the birdcage, man. <laughs> and as the bedsheet flies off the cage, it is revealed to be just an empty cage the whole time. In fact, that would add an extra layer of crazy to Roman's character if you ask me. If that was the case... I mean, just imagine that all this time, Rowan's been carrying around an empty birdcage, man, and talking to it, putting a little GoPro camera in there, you know, showing his ugly mug while he tries to act like he's nurturing a little creature and there's nothing in the cage. Hey, that would be more compelling to me, in my opinion, if you ask me, that would be more compelling. You know what I'm saying? Make Rowan just turn out to be this crazy-ass, psychotic... You know, um, schizophrenic, something, bizarro, weirdo character. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, I don't know. I really don't care either way. Aleister Black, he hits the black mask for the win. Moving on. Charlotte Flair. She comes out to continue her feud with Rhea, Rhea Ripley. 
as she recaps NXT TakeOver Portland. Excellent show. I didn't watch it, but I seen, I, I read about the results and stuff in which um, Charlotte would blindside Rhea Ripley, attacking her from behind after Ripley's successful title defense. Charlotte also goes into a rant basically about entitlement and how NXT is the house Charlotte built, basically, in her own words, of course, as Ripley didn't have to scratch and claw to climb to the top the way Charlotte did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure Charlotte is one to talk about entitlement, if you ask me. I'm going to just leave it at that. Uh, but nonetheless, Ripley and Charlotte is shaping up. Certainly, I, I got to say, I'm looking forward to this scrap more so than Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Let's go. 24-7 Gabbage title nonsense continues as Riddick Moss retains his title. Don't care at all. Moving on. Drew McIntyre versus MVP. Now... Drew's match with Ray Ray was supposed to be his farewell match, in fact. But as it turns out, I suppose since his MVP lounge segment from the previous Raw was a top-notch success, he was given the call to put Drew over in a match. Kinda, sorta unnecessary. I mean, Drew's the man. No Becky Lynch! Drew is the real man. He don't need to go over MVP to prove his worth. This is just another stamp. Drew would cut a promo before the bout, plugging WrestleMania, only 48 days away. Drew wants to keep us all extra hype because it will be his time come Mania in Tampa, baby. Um, he points to the WrestleMania sign once again using the Claymore countdown. And the crazy crowd joins him in pointing at the sign. Drew, the, Drew then goes on to say, and I love this, he says, Let me give you a geography lesson right quick. Suplex City is currently located in Claymore Country and come WrestleMania, we gonna invade Suplex City and burn that bitch to the ground. The crowd pops. Fire. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Heyman interrupts. I was actually surprised by this. I didn't expect an appearance by Paul Heyman. He comes out to promote Brock's match with Ricochet at Saudi Showdown, as well as his match with Drew at WrestleMania. Because, of course, we already know Brock's not going to drop the strap to Ricochet at Super Showdown. <laughs> Come on now. Stevie Wonder could tell you that. You know what I'm saying? Um, Ray Charles could tell you that. <laughs> but anyway, nonetheless, he, he then introduces MVP. And, and let's, let's just get to the point. Drew McIntyre absolutely destroys MVP. Montel Vontavious Porter. My mans tried to get in a little offense. Did a little cheap shot with the mic. But Drew easily defeats the grizzled veteran with an emphatic Claymore kick. I want to see Drew do the Claymore kick on Paul Heyman. <laughs> Book it, Vince. Take my money and take it now. So Little Red Riding Hood comes out to continue her blood feud with Shayna Baszler. Little Red Riding Hood, of course, I'm talking about Becky Lynch. My favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> Shayna would appear on the Titan Tron and remind Becky that she's a cage for Becky. I'm going to tear the living shit out of you. A Little Red Riding Hood then says she's going to be rooting for her at the Elimination Chamber. Now, let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let me cut this off. Let, let me tell you something. Let's be real here for a minute. Shayna, as she alluded to in this promo, in this segment, she is a legit fighter. Okay, MMA trained. 
She is a legitimate cage fighter. Not only that, just look at the broad, man. She can legitimately whoop not only Becky Lynch, but probably the entire women's roster, barring a Ronda Rousey or Rhea Ripley type, perhaps. But Shayna Baszler could whoop just about all the women, even some men, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, she could probably whoop Ricochet's ass in real life. <laughs> Now, does Becky Lynch legitimately stand a chance? I mean, I mean, legitimately speaking, you know, I don't believe not a single bit that Becky, even in a scripted environment like pro wrestling, can whoop Shayna Baszler. Meaning, if Becky does beat Shayna at Mania, I'm going to roll my eyes and chuckle. The same way I did when Tessa Blanchard beat Sammy Callahan <laughs> for the Impact Wrestling World. Gabbage. It's, it's absurd if that happens, man. Might, might as well book Hornswoggle to beat the Great Kali at Super Saudi Showdown. <laughs> Super Saudi Showdown. Whatever the hell that show's called, man. Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. You know what I'm saying? Be Becky Lynch beating Shayna, Baszler. Might as well book Ricochet to beat Brock Lesnar. Just do it. Might as well. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's go ahead and just... Throw everything in the trash. It's all for the trash, baby. Let's light it up, too. Dumpster fire. Moving on. Garza Jr., Zelina Vega, and Lana and her Sancho now hubby, Big Bobby Lashley. They set up a tag match, you know, but with a backstage interview segment with Charlie Caruso. Lana and Bobby Lashley approach one Garza Jr. and Zelina Vega. Um... You know, and basically Lana alludes to the fact that they are each individually the hottest couples on Raw right now. Um, I gotta say, I gotta say, during this interview segment, my girl Charlie Caruso, she was eyeballing Garza Jr., okay? <laughs> I'm just gonna say, go rewatch that segment, you will see Charlie's eyes wandering, if you know what I'm saying. Several times throughout the interview, several times. Lana as well. Lana as well. I'm, I'm very observant. What, what can I say? <laughs> I'm very observant. But nonetheless, I mean, this should be interesting, I suppose. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be... They set up a tag match with Garza Jr. and Bobby Lashley taking on Rusev and... Um, Rusev and... Um, <laughs> Alberto Carrillo. I literally had to pause the recording and look, I forgot about this little dude. Rusev and Humberto Carrillo versus Garza Jr. and Big Bobby Lashley. Oh, let's get into it. This is the first time we see Rusev back on Raw in quite some time. Um, I, I believe this is his first time back on Raw since the infamous wedding segment. I, I, could, be, I could be wrong about that. Um... Of course, the big story of this match is the cousins going at it. You know, Carrillo and Garza Jr., they are legitimately real-life cousins. Continuing their little feud while Andrade Cien Almas is away, currently suspended. He will return at the Super Saudi Showdown. <laughs> I'm just calling that from now on. Super Saudi Showdown. Oh, gee. <laughs> now, um, Rusev and Bobby Lashley, they know each other so well. So it should make for a solid match, and during the match, while Garza Jr. is outside, 
A female fan runs down to the barricade. And she must have been sitting in the second or third row. Because she ran down. I mean, she was she was jiggly. <laughs> she ran down there. You know, looking out of breath. She was a little, she was a little heavy set. <laughs> what I'm saying. And she, and she gave Garza Jr. a kiss on the cheek upon his command. This dude got the ladies in the palm of his hand. He got them in his back pocket. Garza Jr.'s a star. And Humberto Carrillo would then smash him with a suicide dive on the outside. Rusev would come in like a bat out of hell and beat the brakes off of everybody. He does a Samoan, uh, Samoan drop, multiple clotheslines, unloads on big Bobby Lashley. And the commentators confirm this is in fact Rusev's first match in a whole month. Um, Lashley does a mean spear to Humberto Carrillo on the outside. And then Rusev runs Bobby over. The crowd pops. It's a nice little spot. Rusev Day reigns supreme in the arena. Wherever the hell they were at. <laughs> Crazy ass crowd tonight. Almost sort of on par with like a like a post-WrestleMania crowd. A, a post-WrestleMania Raw crowd. You know, the Raws after WrestleMania when the crowd is kind of bizarre. Um, well, not bizarre, but just really lit. You know, really hype. Um... You know, Rusev, he does a a diving headbutt uh, off the top rope a la Chris Benoit back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Um, he does it to Garza. First time I ever see Rusev do that. It was interesting. Rusev then hits a big machka kick to Lashley. And Garza, the opportunist here, he rolls Lashley up for the big win. Garza Jr. As it turns out. This was a big win for Garza Jr., but as it turns out, this was pretty much just advertisement for the what's being called the two-wake or the two-wake mountain trophy match, a gauntlet match at Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia, Super Saudi Showdown, um, in which all of the competitors of this tag match here will be involved in the gauntlet match, as well as AJ Styles, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, hey, that should be cool, man. I'm glad they are continuing to push Garza Jr. as well. Strap the rocket on this kid, Vince. We need some spice in the WWE. So here we go with the Monday Night Messiah sermon. Are y'all ready to go to church? I, I don't know if I'm ready, man. I need to, uh, you know, take my vitamins and say my prayers at home, man. I don't think I'm ready for church just yet. But it don't matter because Rollins done brought church to me. Rollins has his image plastered in the classic Catholical window style on picture frames set up in the ring as well as on the Titan Tron. But the fans are booing him like he's the Antichrist. And Rollins thanks everybody, you know, for making him the quote unquote <laughs> Monday Night Messiah. You should be nerd raging on WWE Creative for such a corny nickname, bruh. I mean, Monday Night Messiah. They couldn't do better than that. I mean, it's some things I just can't let die. I, I can never live it down, man. Monday Night Messiah. As corny as it gets. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, Rollins demands respect from the crowd. He announces they have completed Phase 1 by, um, you know, beating uh, Viking Raiders and KO and Joe. And Phase 2 is coming. Rollins would go on and on with the jibber-jabber. I mean, this I, I tuned out at this point. This just dragged on. I was uninterested by this point. The Viking Raiders would ultimately interrupt the sermon. Seth retreats up the stage. 
while the Viking Raiders and AOP are duking it out in the ring, only to receive a stunner out of nowhere from Kevin Owens. And when we come back from a commercial break, Charlie Caruso catches, uh, you know, Seth Rollins and his disciples in the back for an interview. And they set up a big tag match for later on. Once again, AOP and um, uh, Buddy Murphy, excuse me, Murphy. He don't go by Buddy no more. It's just Murphy and AOP now taking on Owens and the Viking Raiders. The sermon angle, like I said, it for me, man. One one thing that was kind of funny when the Viking Raiders ran out there. I don't know if it was uh, Jerry the King Lawler or Byron Saxton. One of them said, "Hey, I," but I thought they were eradicated in Phase One. <laughs> that got a little chuckle out of me. Um, it's 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 like even the commentators feel compelled to hint at WWE's quote unquote creative, absolute garbage. So the OC and AJ Styles are out in the ring. They cut a promo. AJ promotes the gauntlet match. Like I said, the Tuwake Mountain Trophy gauntlet match that will take place at Super Shouty Blood Money Showdown. <laughs> and that's all this is. You know, although Ricochet would interrupt and the wild crowd goes mild. If Brock Lesnar don't end this chump inside two minutes, I'm going to nerd rage. You know, because look, Brock Brock Lesnar beat Kofi Kingston in under a minute for the title. Ending Kofi Mania, he better do the same to Ricochet. Or, or that's mad disrespect to Kofi. Because Kofi is superior to Ricochet. Don't even don't don't even try nothing. Ricochet and AJ, they go back and forth on the mic. Ricochet says he earned his title shot. Yeah. <laughs> He earned it. He earned his title shot by low blowing Brock Lesnar at, at the Royal Rumble, leading to Lesnar's elimination by Drew McIntyre. That's all. That's the way he earned it because WWE has no creativity whatsoever. Should have been Bobby Lashley, if you ask me. I digress. Ricochet and Carl Anderson would eventually go one on one. Yawn. I fell asleep during this match, y'all. What can I say? I was sleeping with the Angels on Cloud Nine. Ricochet takes it. Nobody cares. Viking Raiders and Kevin Owens versus AOP and Murphy. Hard-hitting match. Hard-hitting match that I, I could honestly, I couldn't care any less for it at this point. You know, this show has been a complete snooze fest besides the Randy Matt Hardy segment that opened the show. And we've seen these teams duke it out already. And this match was completely meaningless and pointless anyway, as Seth Rollins would cause a DQ with a run-in on KO. Then randomly, randomly, a wild Street Profits run in and help the Viking Raiders clean house. Interesting, I guess. I mean, perhaps this is the stimulus package the tag team division so desperately needs. Perhaps. I don't know. One thing I gotta mention before I close out this segment is Montez Ford. And one of the Viking Raiders. I, I don't know. I don't know who who's who between Eric and Ivar, if I'm being honest. Excuse my ignorance. <laughs> but uh Montez Ford and one of the Viking Raiders, they do a double dive spot. And man, I gotta say, the hang time that Montez Ford got on that body splash. Absolutely insane. I mean, shout out Prime Rob Van Dam with the five-star frog splash. How I, I don't think RVD ever got any hang time like that even. And that was a sick body splash from Montez Ford. That should be his finisher from now on. 
Real talk. I, I don't know what his finisher currently is. I mean, it appears Angelo Dawkins. He seems to be using a spear. It would appear. <laughs> That's his finisher. But y'all hate me, don't you? <laughs> like, my listeners out there like, I can't stand this fucking guy. <laughs> Mon says Ford needs to keep using that huge body splash as his finisher permanently. Call it up and smoke. I, I could hear it now, you know, um, what's his name, um, not Big Joseph, Who, who's, who's lead commentary for Raw now, is it Tom Phillips, oh, he hits the up and smoke, Montez Ford with the up and smoke, because he wants the smoke to close out this segment on Monday Night Raw, there you go, and that's gonna do it for Monday Night Raw, overall, man, thumbs all the way down. There's just no substance here, man. If it wasn't for this podcast, THR, which I love doing, all things considered. I love this podcast. This is my baby. I would have tuned out a long time ago. There is no sense in wasting three hours of your time watching this crap. And I say that as a huge wrestling fan who's been watching this stuff all my life. Wrestling fan. That's going to be a theme of this podcast because when I talk about Dynamite, Man, you're going to know why I'm a wrestling fan when I talk about AEW Dynamite. But there's no entertainment value in Monday Night Raw, man. There's none. There's none. You know, it, it's, it's something literally difficult to even pay attention to. You know, during Monday Night Raw, I find myself on my phone, messing around on Reddit, reading articles, watching porn... <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, messing around, reading articles, checking my credit score on Credit Karma. You know what I'm saying? Looking to buy a new humidifier on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, Monday Night Raw is, is basically background noise. I mean, really, you know, that's all Night Raw has become is just background noise while you do other things. I mean, for three hours, good Lord. Three, wash dishes. Fold my clothes and put them in my dresser drawers. Make my bed. Take out my trash. And Monday Night Raw will still be on. And I will still have no desire to pay attention to what's going on. Because there's no meaning. There's no substance to this show. Nothing feels important. Not really. Nothing feels compelling. Captivating. This is straight garbage grade a garbage when i watch aew dynamite it's the complete opposite i'm glued to the screen you know i i gotta pause it before i go get some snacks before i go get me another slice of pizza and and more soda and whatever i gotta pause it because i don't want to miss nothing because on dynamite things actually feel important they have substance they have value it's captivating and we're going to get that because after this quick break, I'm going to break down AEW Dynamite. Stay tuned. Let's get it.
AEW Dynamite. Let's just dive right in, baby. Michael Phelps. We start off with a big tag team battle royal match. Now, I, I said it. I said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not a big fan of battle royals. Um, never have been. I mean, at least to watch them anyway. Uh, let alone to watch and take notes to review it on the pod. But, eh. I mean, I, I remember I used to whoop all kind of ass on the SmackDown games on PlayStation <laughs> back in the days. You know what I mean? Those were my favorite matches to play in, in the games, and the video games. You know, Battle Royals and Fatal 4 Ways and whatnot. That was fun. Uh, by the way, this is just a, a, a way off topic side note here. What is up with WWE video games nowadays? I, I heard that WWE 2K20 was a... A utter dumpster fire, to say the least. Hopefully the yet-to-be-revealed AEW video game, which is rumored to be made by Aki, the old-school developers of the iconic WWF No Mercy game, as well as WrestleMania 2000 and WCW NWO Revenge. Man, a wrestling game with that engine, with that wrestling engine of No Mercy, but with modern-day graphics? Baby take my money like it's insulin and you diabetic take my money now take my money like it's honey and you winnie the Pooh. just take it take it out my hands already anyway speaking of money private party baby they shine bright in this match eliminating t-hawk with the silly string and overall looking good certainly they're getting better man i know their timing it's getting better they're still green as grass rookies but they're stepping it up and i'm loving it the Dark Order in the crowd, they would tease the arrival of the Exalted One and also try to tease that Christopher Daniels is the Exalted One. You know, by telling SCU, he said, hey, where's your buddy Christopher Daniels? The Exalted One is Broken Matt Hardy. And after watching Monday Night Raw, the nickname Broken <laughs> is highly appropriate. <laughs> the man's really is Broken. Uh, but nonetheless, the distraction from the Dark Order would lead to the SCU's elimination. Then the Bucks would eliminate a team. I forget who. It, it's hard to keep up, y'all. Santana and Ortiz, proud and powerful. They were on the outside looking in, being smart the whole time as the match was going on. Being the snakes in the grass, knowing when a strike. Like, I mean, aren't, aren't the officials supposed to tell them to get in the ring, though? <laughs> I mean... Uh, anyway, what do I know? Um, they would eventually get in the ring. And Jurassic Express would beat the brakes off them boys. The match was wild. Breaking down in a chaos. Absolute anarchy. As is with all the multi-man matches of this nature. Nick Jackson of the Bucks would be eliminated after a wild flurry of super kicks and insigiris. Running forearms the whole nine. On everybody, including Luchasaurus, who would attempt a chokeslam, but Nick would do a backflip and roundhouse his ass. Matt Jackson would be the only buck left in the game. Luchasaurus and the Butcher had a crazy exchange. The two big brutes of the match knocking each other out. Private Party was to be eliminated after a good showing for the Young Cats. It takes four men to eliminate one Luchasaurus as the crowd boos as if Baron Corbin walked in the room. The Butcher eliminates Chuck Taylor after he attempted to embrace with his best friend. Orange Cassidy comes out of nowhere and saves Trent from certain elimination, keeping the super best friends alive. 
Now to this point, only one complete team remains and proud powerful, but Trent is there ripping the best friends. Matt Jackson is there ripping Buck and the Butcher is there ripping the Blade and the Bunny. Speaking of the Bunny, she kicks Orange Cassidy square in the oranges. <laughs> See what I did there? Then Trent finally gets eliminated. <laughs> All that remains is Matt Jackson taking on PMP and basically a handicap now. This is interesting, man. You know, this is a tag team battle royal done absolutely right. In fact, dare I say it, dare I say it, I want to see another tag team battle royal once again in the future. And I'm just going to say it now. Matt Jackson wins it all for the Bucks. Sammy Guevara will try to jump in off the top rope and eats the nastiest damn super kick I have ever seen. This was shades of Shawn Michaels' sweet chin music to Shelton Benjamin back in the day when Shelton was diving off the rope in similar fashion. But man, this was just freaking sick. I mean, wow, that, that, that super kick to Sammy Guevara. Just go watch it, man. Watch it on social media. They shared it. AEW on TNT. Follow them on Instagram. They shared that. I mean, it's on YouTube. It is the sickest goddamn super kick you will ever see. The way Sammy Guevara just folded, boy. He ain't got no teeth left after that. Was sick. Big win for the Bucks and big way to start the show. Wow, 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 wow. That's all I gotta say. Let's get to the ladies of the day. It's Shayna versus Chris Statlander. Is it Shayna or Shana? <laughs> Shayna or Shana? I don't know. Um, this is actually one of the better women's matches I've seen, though. You know, on AEW Dynamite, if I'm being honest. I'm not going to break it down in depth. All I'm going to say is Chris Statlander was the victor here. But Shana, this French-Portuguese chick, I don't know much about. I don't even know how to pronounce her name, if it's Shana or Shana. But she really impressed me. Her timing was stellar, as is Statlander's. But this match flowed very smoothly and fluidly. Unlike most of the women's matches where we see oftentimes what looks like uh, miscommunication in the ring, poor timing, sloppy, you know, sloppiness. This was crisp, true pros here, and the women's division, dare I say it, is starting to heat up. Especially now because I will say, we have a very game, credible women's champ to chase the title from. And I'm very interested in seeing one Chris Statlander take on the native beast, Nyla Rose. Speaking of which, Nyla Rose would come out after the match and have an onstage interview segment with Tony Schiavone. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm really starting to love this Tony Schiavone onstage interview segments. You know what I mean? It's, it's real throwback and, and just grade A stuff here. Grade A. Um, Nyla basically says emphatically, I'm going to be only a one-time champion because nobody out there can stack up to me. Nobody will ever beat me. Chris Dantlander then comes through the tunnel with a smile on her face. She does her little Steven Spielberg E.T. finger boop thing, but instead she points to the title. Nyla smacks her finger away as if to say, get your dirty alien hands off my title. Then Big Swole comes out to a relatively nice crowd pop. The crowd was very hot there tonight in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, this is interesting. You know, Swole walks up on Nyla. She starts trash talking. Um, she can be heard audibly calling Nyla brother. <laughs> she got a little chuckle out of me. Um, you know, and then the staff, you know, 
crew begin to separate the ladies before it gets out of control great stuff man i mean like i said the, the women's division is really taking shape i can dig it this is what AEW needs man because that's the only thing that's been kind of lackadaisical in the AEW product is their women's division. I'm guessing this is going to lead to Big Swole and Chris Statlander facing off for a number one contender spot for the title at Revolution. But honestly, and, and no disrespect to Big Swole, the real life wife of Cedric Alexander by the way. But I really actually want to see Chris Statlander beat the brakes off Nyla Rose. But this was good stuff nonetheless. John Moxley. Jeff Cobb, let's do it. A wild Taz appears on commentary for this match. Now, I did notice Tony's voice was going bad during his interview with Nyla Rose. So, I guess, um, you know, AEW, they quickly inserted Taz in there to give Tony a much-needed break, a much-needed rest. You know what I'm saying? And it was temporary because Tony would return later on. Uh, but nonetheless, good to hear Taz's voice. You know, I think he's a excellent uh, color commentator. Jericho would come out before the bell rings, man, in the crowd, wielding a ticket. It's a callback to his, I got a ticket meme from last year. Among many other memes, this legend has invented. What has Jericho not invented? This dude legitimately invented WWE's Money in the Bank match. I bet y'all didn't know that. You know what I mean? The Gone But Not Forgotten Taboo Tuesday pay-per-view. I digress. No, Jericho, he's, he's, he's the legend, man. And he's greeted by the fans in what has become the loudest sing-along to his theme ever. Atlanta, GA. Y'all are real hot tonight in Hotlanta, I gotta say. And you can see Jericho fighting to hold back his smile. This is epic stuff, man. And the match ain't even started yet. How about that? It's AEW, baby. This is TNT where the big boys play. Jeff Cobb opens the match with a huge belly-to-belly -belly suplex. Shout out to Taz, my man's on the commentary table. Now, by the way, by the way, last week I said Jeff Cobb is from some island. <laughs> He's a Pacific Islander, and indeed he is. Although AEW is billing him from Honolulu, Hawaii, um, he's actually from Guam. And even represented Guam in the Olympics, apparently in amateur wrestling. But he is of Filipino descent. So he's got Islander blood all the way around. Perhaps a splash of Spanish in there as well with the Filipino heritage. A Guamese Filipino. Interesting. Interesting flavor, man. Um, Cobb would do a sick reverse spinning backdrop. I don't even know what to, what to call this move. I don't even know if that's the correct name for the maneuver. But it was sick. And Cobb really shined in this match overall. Even though he would ultimately be defeated by John Moxley. I'm just going to say it. Um, and in the post-match, Jericho and his inner circle goons didn't waste no time as they jumped Moxley. But then Dustin Rhodes would run in for the save. But the numbers gained four-on-one. Dustin would get jumped. And then the lights go out. And as the lights went out, they come back on to Darby Allen, Standing there on the stage, wielding his skateboard. Darby Allen's a star, man. He came out to a big pop. Like if he was, you know what I mean? Like it, like if it was uh, like, like a big return, you know, like Triple H returning to Raw in 2002. I, I, I don't know. It, it was a big pop, though. It was a big pop, man. He's a star. And he comes down, strolling down the ramp on his skateboard, gets in there, you know, and he just starts whooping everybody's ass with his skateboard. He cleans house. The ring is cleared. 
You know, Dustin Rhodes knocks out Hager, Jake Hager out the ring. And Jericho and Moxley, they have an epic face-off to an even bigger pop. Man, this show felt like a pay-per-view, man. Good lord. Just awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I'm, I'm losing my voice talking about it. Um, ultimately, Jericho would retreat as Moxley stands tall to end the segment. Two thumbs up, period. Mic drop. By the way, Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara at Revolution. It's on and cracking. Take my damn money. Let me give you my savings account. Hold up. You want to talk about show stealers? Nah, nah, nah. I promise you. Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen. That's going to steal the whole damn show. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. February 29th, AEW Revolution. Big hype, baby. Okay. Okay, then we go from that to this. AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line as Lucha Bros take on Paige and Omega. A trilogy, the third bout in their series. Lucha Bros are 2-0 against these cats. I mean, I had no idea. Let me tell you something, y'all. I had no idea. The tag title. The only match I knew that was confirmed for, for, for AEW Dynamite was the tag team battle royal as well as the main event uh, steel cage match between Cody and Wardlow. I had no idea the tag titles would be defended tonight as well. If I did, I don't forgot about it. But man, this whole damn show feels like a pay-per-view, man. We have our, we've already seen John Moxley and Jericho face off. A returning Darby Allen whoop on everybody with a skateboard. An insane tag team battle royal which saw the Young Bucks pick up the big win. Now we got a tag team championship match between the Lucha Bros and Adam Page and Kenny Omega? This is legitimately a pay-per-view caliber show. And we still have Cody and Wardlow in a steel cage match in the main event. My goodness. This is out of control. You 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 really want me to describe this match to you, <laughs> bruh? My notes have been thrown out the window. I I literally sat back, ate my slice of stuffed crust pizza from Little Caesars, dipped it in the marinara sauce, and enjoyed the hell out of this amazing match. All I'ma say is, Paige and Omega finally get redemption against the Lucha Bros here, retaining their straps in a pay-per-view caliber match. The end. Fiend. Arribadershi, Dave Meltzer gotta be throwing stars at this match like McDonald's throwing Big Macs at overweight people like me. <laughs> nah, I'm not even overweight, but I feel like I am. Nah, man, this was a amazing match. Adam Page, Kenny Omega retain, and um, it, it's it's a tag team division is lit. That's all I gotta say. Here we go. Wardlow, Cody. Main event time, Steel Cage for the first time ever. Wardlow comes out accompanied by MJF. Cody comes out accompanied by his wifey, the lovely Brandy Rhodes, as well as the enforcer Arn Anderson. The beginning of the match is back and forth action as Cody hits Wardlow with a series of kicks, drop kicks, leaping off the ropes and everything. But Wardlow would outpower him, taking him down with a huge clothesline as Cody goes inside out. MJF... 
He likes what he sees as as he claps and shouts on the outside for Wardlow. Um, when we come back from commercial break, Cody is busted open. Crimson mask status like OG Ric Flair. The commentators show the replay of, of how it happened. Wardlow smashed Cody's face against the cage to bust him up. Nasty gash. And as soon as Cody starts coming back though, erupting with offense, Wardlow would give Cody a nasty low blow to halt his onslaught. Now just a side note here. I know Wardlow is a heel, but seeing a man of his size having to resort to a cheap low blow to gain the upper hand is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. And that, that's my first and only gripe of the show thus far. And, and there was some shenanigans outside with MJF getting the cage door slammed across his face. He would then attempt to climb the cage, I'm guessing to get in. I don't see why since the cage door was open, it was unlocked for whatever reason. You know, in cage matches, typically, when it's a pinfall, pinfall submissions um, is the way to win the match, you know, um, the cage door is typically locked shut. But nonetheless, as MJF was ascending the cage, Brandy Rhodes strikes him with some, some little chair shots that didn't do much damage. So he casually hops off the cage and gets up in her face. He starts yelling at her, are you crazy? It looked like he spit in her mouth. It's kind of gross. Arn Anderson would then grab MJF by the back of the neck and toss his ass like a frisbee. MJF's face was priceless here. I mean, this was really entertaining. Cody would eventually pick up the win by doing an insane moonsault off the top cage, y'all. This was Kurt Angle. This was Kurt Angle style right here when Kurt Angle did the moonsault off the cage back in the day. This was insanity. Dave Meltzer tossing out stars again. Excellent cage match. And the show closes with Cody standing tall atop the cage. Overall, this is a two thumbs all the way up show, man. My thumbs are past the Andromeda star system where Chris Statlander came from. This show legitimately felt like a pay-per-view on free TV. That's AEW Dynamite. I don't even have the words, man. You know, <clears throat> I'm a 30-year-old man who still loves professional wrestling. Like I did when I was 7 years old running around the backyard acting like I'm Rey Mysterio. And you know, a lot of people in my age group look at wrestling like it's a joke. It's for kids or it's for dorks or whatever, whatever the conception is these days, right? But this show tonight is what I would show anybody anytime they ask me, why do you like that wrestling stuff, that WWE stuff? Why do you watch wrestling? Now, you know that stuff's fake. Why Why you watch that? How you watch that, bruh? Allow me to show you. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why I'm a fan of professional wrestling. This show makes me feel how I felt when I was a little kid, man. When I'd watch WCW Nitro or Monday Night Raw, and then I'd run into my friend's backyard from down the block, we would set up four patio chairs resembling the turnbuckles, and would Irish whip each other, you know, the, like across invisible ropes, jump off the patio chairs. I would do swanton bombs and twist of fates. My friend did the stunner. My other friend would do the tombstone pile driver. <laughs> yeah, we were some crazy ass kids, bruh. And after watching Dynamite, 
I feel like running in my backyard and playing wrestling again. <laughs> as cringe as that may sound, y'all. You know, let me tell you something. I, I actually wanted to be a professional wrestler. That's the thing. I, I was even on the amateur wrestling team in high school thinking I was preparing for my eventual WWE debut, you know, my pro wrestling career. Unfortunately, it never happened. You know, um, you know, life, life will humble you and, and turn you in different directions. But man, AEW Dynamite, it shows like this tonight that remind me why I love this business so much and why I'm proud to be a fan. AEW Dynamite, 10 out of 10. Epert and Roper, Simon Cow and Gordon Ramsay would say that's bloody brilliant. Very good show. <laughs> and I ain't done yet. Stay tuned. I'm going to get you some wrestling news after this quick break. AEW Dynamite was something else, man. And, and it got me to thinking, who exactly put this amazing show together? Well, it's time to find out. Apparently, there was a lot of top TNT bigwig executives in the attendance on this night of Dynamite. And the vicious cage match with Cody and Wardlow, which saw Cody donning the crimson mask. That was all Cody. Cody wrote all that, produced the match. And TNT is behind AEW in a big way right now, apparently. Uh, because they truly sense the passion of the fans and that underdog vibe that AEW has. It's being said as per the Wrestling Observer Radio that TNT is giving AEW a lot of leeway with the blood and crazy high-risk spots like that moonsault by Cody. The Tag Team Battle Royal was written and produced by AEW CEO Tony Khan with input from the Young Bucks, QT Marshall, and BJ Whitmer. On a side note, I gotta say, Tony Khan is really proving his worth as a creative genius himself. Because incidentally, one thing I didn't mention, um, he was also responsible for that awesome promo Britt Baker cut on the previous Dynamite that you heard me go on about, the last uh, AEW Dynamite review. Um, he wrote that whole segment. Now keep it up, Mr. Khan. You're doing a good job. Kenny Omega wrote the women's segment and produced the match. Between Chris Statlander and Shayna. Big ups there for Kenny Omega. And the John Moxley-Jeff Cobb match. As well as, well, the post-match chaos anyway was written by Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko. And, but it was Tony Khan, however, who made the call on turning out the lights. And having Darby appear on stage with the skateboard. You know, the lights going out was a Tony Khan call. Amazing stuff. Y'all really got something going on here. Cody Rhodes, speak of the devil, is officially injured. It is said that he fractured his big toe as a result of that insane moonsault off the cage. I mean, really, he's, he's lucky that's all he fractured. Because that could have been ugly, man. It's just his toe. He could, have, he could have, like, broke his neck doing that, bro. That's a very dangerous spot. He barely grazed in a waiting ward low. And the spot looked nasty. Beautiful, but nasty. In spite of this, Cody has been cleared to compete, so no worries. MJF and Cody will go down as planned at AEW Revolution come February 29th. Next week's AEW Dynamite episode will be the go-home show for the Revolution pay-per-view. Man, I cannot wait for that. Take my money. Take it now. The WWE 
is officially in talks with ESPN over streaming rights of their pay-per-views. I've mentioned this in one of my last episodes of the pod. What could potentially effectively kill the WWE Network would be removing pay-per-view streaming from the network and having to subscribe to a whole other platform just to see WWE pay-per-views like an ESPN Plus or a DAZN. Now, as of now, ESPN and WWE have not reached an agreement, as of this recording at least. But once again, only time will tell. Yikes. You want to talk about only time will tell? Well, William Regal's son, Bailey Matthews, who goes by the ring name of Joe Bailey, is working in training as a young lion for New Japan Pro Wrestling these days. And well... Only time will tell if this kid lives up to his pops. Because William Regal, I gotta say, he's easily one of the most underrated, most underappreciated workers in the whole entire business, man. You want to talk about excellent worker, class act, in and out of the ring? William Regal is pure class. I would be willing to bet one day we will see Mr. Joe Bailey, a.k.a. William Regal Jr., in NXT at some point in the not too distant future. Let's get to the main story of the hour, baby. Matt Hardy, the unkillable one, the dare I say, exalted one. Who knows? But Matt has been active on social media. He posted a very cryptic YouTube video fueling the speculation of him possibly being the Exalted One with the voice change effect that the Dark Order uses and everything. Hardy even retweeted a picture of a fan in the AEW Dynamite crowd holding a free the delete sign. Although I think he may have, dare I say, deleted <laughs> the retweet as I couldn't seem to find it. Um, nonetheless, I talked to a buddy of mine about it. Um, and he, he brought up an interesting point to me. Luke Harper is leaving WWE as well. I literally completely forgot about Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee. Yeah, he's on his way out. Hey, man. Brody Lee. Luke Harper. He could very well be the exalted one, perhaps, as well. <laughs> Only time will tell. Either way... Take my money. I'm just tossing out coins. I'm tossing out these pesos like peanuts to all you clowns. I want to see the Exalted One be revealed at Revolution. Or maybe even the next episode of Dynamite. Hey, only time will tell. Thank y'all for tuning in to the Highlight Reel. Don't forget to tip your waitresses, okay? I'm out you.